Well, good morning again. My name is Pastor Jeff, and so glad you're here today. And if you're visiting, uh, we're glad you're here. And if you're a regular, we're really glad you're here. Um, we have these blue connection cards, and I don't think there's one up here, but if you are here visiting, uh, they're on the back table and also all over the foyer out there. Please fill one out if you would like to be on our text uh, uh, thing that goes out every week. Be sure and sign that and say, I'd like to be on the text. Or if you have a prayer request, we would love to have you um, let us know what's going on in your life. Let's dismiss the kids. Before we get into our lesson today, I want to say thank you. You know, our church, um, 90% of the things that get done around here get done by volunteers and uh, people who care. I always say this, people who care about stuff, they do stuff. And uh, Connie and Randy and Hannah and Megan and Lucas, uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, doing all the Christmas stuff that you did this last week. Hours and hours and hours. I came in here one day and I was went to get some water and I see Megan who has a bad back. She's up crawling around <laughs> up there and I'm like, what the heck? And uh, so that was really cool. It was neat, but uh, sorry about your back. So anyway, um, we are thankful for volunteers because everything that gets done around here it, it gets done because people care about something and they um, they do something about it. And so that's pretty exciting. Um, also, I want to mention thanking the, uh, our band. Every week our band brings it. And I'm so thankful for all of our worship people as they volunteer and come and do what they do every week. Um, this is Kelsey's, uh, who was over on the uh, piano. This, she's my daughter also, Whitney. But this is Kelsey's last Sunday for a, a while. She's getting ready to have a baby. And so she, we probably won't see her for about a year. So we will miss her. But she's going to take some well-deserved time off to have another child. And uh, hopefully uh, that will be all go as it's supposed to. So um, thank you for all those that do the things that you do around our body here uh, weekly, daily. And uh, those who pray, those who do whatever they do, you are appreciated. Let's pray. Father, it is good to be here today and to worship you and to lift up our voices and praise you because you are worthy. I just come to you today uh, knowing that I'm so insufficient to stand up here and talk, but I know that your word is true. I know that your word, uh, when it is spoken, it does incredible things, mystical, uh, supernatural things. It does it in our heart, in our spirits. And so, God, we just all agree today that you would help me to... Um, to say the things I need to say and to shut my mouth in places that I need to shut it. We love you and praise your name. Amen. We're in a new series. Uh, we stopped the four, uh, the four letter words. Several of you have given me some four letter words. One of, uh, one of the truck drivers this last week said, how about snow? That's a four letter word. <laughs> it is, it is, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll figure that out. So, uh, I got a whole bunch in my pocket and so we'll see what happens after the first of the year with some of the four-letter words, but we are, uh, we are going to go on into Christmas, and uh, I'm a big proponent of trying to uh, bring a Christmas message uh, a couple weeks before Christmas, 
It is a task. Uh, 21 years have been bringing Christmas messages at our church here. So that's about 80 messages about how Jesus was born. So that's a lot of messages. Uh, and to come up with something different is a challenge. It's a challenge. And so today I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to talk the next four weeks about the colors of Christmas. The colors of Christmas. And today I'm going to get a little nerdy with you. I'm usually not very nerdy. I'm a very simplistic guy and I'm very... Um, uh, I'm just very straightforward and stuff, but I, I really did a lot of digging this last week on this one because I wanted to be sure where we were going with it. So today we're going to talk about the color green. We're going to talk about the color green. Next week we're going to talk about the color blue. Then we're going to talk about the color gold. And then finally on Christmas Eve we're going to talk about the color white. White. So those four colors of Christmas. Um, and I think they will be uh, interesting. They've been interesting for me. And I hope that I don't lose you in the process today because today I had to do a lot of uh, biblical uh, unearthing on some things to uh, make sure that I was uh, right and where I was going with this. So let's, let's get right into it. I wore my green sweater. Uh, Connie and her group did so much uh, good green things up here. So I think it'll be in your mind about what the colors of Christmas are as we talk about green today. Here we go. Um, Sometimes it feels like you're not with us. Let me say that again. Sometimes it feels like you're not with us. As you read through the Old Testament, and you read, start to come into the New Testament, you feel like the Israelites were people who, who were saying that. Like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Some 2,000 years later, I think we are still asking that question. When and where are you, God? Where are you, God? I think the hardest time for the Israelites would have been the time right before Jesus was born. If you look to the screen today, I want to show you uh, something here that I kind of wrote out. It says the intertestamental period. Okay, it's the, the 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 period between when the Old Testament was written and the New Testament was written. Those books of the Bible, the sixty-six books of the Bible. Between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, is the period of around 400 years known as the intertestamental period. It was a time when God was quiet. God was quiet. Up to that point, he had lots to say, and he said it on a daily basis to, through prophets, prophetesses. He said it through all kinds of people that would, uh, that would be open to him speaking through them. He would, the people knew what God wanted. Now, they didn't always do it, okay? But they knew what God was saying. They knew what God was, was doing. That 400 years, I think, had to be a real winter spiritually. A winter spiritually. What I mean is a barren, cold, where is God kind of situation. There's no, no recorded word from the Lord, of God, Lord at all during that period. And God didn't provide any kind of prophet. He didn't give us any kind of prophecy. So these people are just waiting. They're waiting for Messiah. They're just sitting there. Okay. Okay, maybe today. Maybe today God's going to say something. Maybe today God's going to do something. Maybe tomorrow, and tomorrow comes, and a generation passes, and a generation passes, 
and nothing happens. They're looking out the window. They're just looking for just a little bit of green of spring. Just a little. Show me some green, God. Show me just a little green. And all they saw was that color white for a long, long time. Yet in the middle of that winter, while that winter was going on, and here's my message today, and it's a, it's a, it's a nerdy concept, but here's the concept is this. God is working to bring his son to the world at the right time, and he's doing something even though it doesn't look like he's doing something. Okay? That's the message that I want to bring to you today. Because some of you here today, you're feeling a little bit winter. You're looking around and, when, God? Where, where, where are you, God? When, when are you coming back? What are, you, are you just going to let this all just, what, what's going on, God? Galatians 4.4 says it this way. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, right down there at the back. It was the fullness of time. Let me say it again. It was the fullness of time. God sent his son to be born into this world. Green. See, it's coming. Green is coming. It's not there yet, but it's coming. The green is coming. It says Galatians 4.4. In the fullness of time, when it was time, when it was ready for the baby to pop, the baby popped. In the fullness of time. Kind of like pregnancy. <laughs> when you're ready, you're ready. There ain't nothing slowing it down. It's coming regardless what you're doing. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. God sent his son to be born into this world. The point is, God was working to bring the green while his people grow through the right, through the white. And that's what I want to say to some of you today. Because some of you today, <laughs> all you see is white. You see some glimpses of green, but mostly you see white. You know, uh, it's a barren, yucky color, and I don't know, I don't like that. And, uh, so for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to help us have this greater appreciation for all the ways that God orchestrated something really incredible during those 400 years of silence and then bring it forward to us today because it seems like there's a little bit of silence going on with God and some of us today. If you have your Bibles, you can do this or you can look up on the screen because we've got it up there. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Seems to be a little bit of a of a historical context that we're going to talk about today. And it's the part that everybody just reads and breezes right through when they come to the Christmas story. Because right after that, it goes into the full-on, head-on Christmas story that we all talk about so very much. But nobody ever talks about one through three. They read it, but we don't get much out of it. And it's a really power-packed thing, but you got to dig into it and you got to understand what was said when he was talking in Luke chapter 2, verses 1. It says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, uh, a proclamation, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. We read that every Christmas, and we glaze right over it. Okay, thank you. Yep, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yep, thanks. There's three words there. In those days. In those days. 
From our perspective, it doesn't seem significant. If you were a Jew living in those days, the first century, the first question would come to your mind, why was it in those days? What's he talking about when he says in those days? It's this because of this. Because they had been waiting for a Messiah for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. They were told over and over and over, somebody's coming to rescue you. Somebody's coming to get you out of slavery. And time and time and time again, they found themselves hooked back up in chains. They found themselves in the middle of, of, of a mess. Does it sound like anybody today? In the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden. They're living in paradise, total green, green. It is so green, it is perfect green. Everything there is green, 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 not green of Grinch, green, green. It's the only color that they saw as they looked around. And they're, they're living the life that God designed for them, a perfect life. God gave them one simple command, silly as it was, don't eat of a certain tree. And of course, we all know they disobeyed God. And they sinned, and winter began, and death came into the world. Because to that point, there would be no death, no dying. So God said to Adam, he said, Adam, because of what you did, buddy, <laughs> you're going to have to sweat when you work, and it's going to hurt. And when you put the washing machine back together, it's not going to go like you want it to go together. And when you build your house, it's going to have leaks in the roof. And you're going to have carpet that's going to, be, that's going to wear out. And you're going to have machines and brakes and pulleys and all the wonderful gadgets and gadgets that you have in your life. They're going to wear out just at the right time. Because of sin. Oh, and Eve, by the way, when you pop out those kids, it's going to hurt. It's really going to hurt. You're going to hurt because of sin. And your kids are going to grow up. And they're not going to do what you ask them to do sometimes. And they're going to make stupid, silly decisions sometimes. And they're going to do things that you don't agree with and you disagree with. And it's going to hurt because of sin. All the way back in Genesis 3.16, we, we see this first proclamation that a Messiah needs to come. Genesis 3.15 says this. I think I put it there. The seed of the woman will crush your head. The seed of the woman will save you from this serpent from Satan. Do not gloss over that. I've talked about this before, but I want you to see what's going on here. It's very interesting that it says the seed of a woman. It's very, very interesting. Do not miss this. Do not miss this. When you read through the scriptures and there's a reference to seed in term of offspring, it's always the seed of the man. He's the seed of the woman, though, here. Why? Listen, it's a promise of a Messiah who would be born of a virgin. Genesis 3 15, almost around the time of the beginning of the world, about 13, 1400, this was written. 
So it's pointing towards a Christmas, a, a Savior, a Messiah, all the way back there in Genesis. It's, it's screaming out, a Messiah is coming. So these people all, from the beginning of time almost, have, have, are looking around, where is he? Where is this Messiah? The people have been looking for the Messiah to bring on the green because all they see is barrenness. All they see is hopelessness. And here's the thing I see for us living in 2023 and getting ready to pop into 2024. We find ourselves, too, living between Malachi and the book of Matthew. Because God has promised, Jesus has promised that he's going to return and he's going to come and he's going to take us out of this mess. And there's not going to be any more pain. And some of you here today, you're in horrific, horrible pain. And there's been some days where some of you would have said and thought, I just want to go home. When is that day? Now I know it's hard. You want to, we want to stay alive and we want to live as long as we possibly can live. But, you know, there's just those days where you go, is this all there is? I think I'm ready to go home, Jesus. Take me home. And we're reminded every holiday when we hear about some kid who was mutilated and killed and abused, or a child who has been abducted, and you're like, God, how much longer? How much longer is it going to be? When you see the color green this Christmas, here's what I want you to remember. When you see the color green this Christmas, you're going to see it in your trees. You're going to see it everywhere you go. You're going to see it in holly. You're going to see it in wreaths. You're going to see it everywhere you go, every store, every station, every Every place that you go in the world is, 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 is this color green. Here's what I want you to remember. The time of winter is almost over. It's not going to be long now. And Jesus is going to come a second time. And it's all going to be better. It's all going to be perfect. Listen, when you see the color green, remember that. That's the hope of Christmas. It is, of course, his son but that color green reminds us that spring is coming, that this rebirth of, of eternity is going to pop, that this, this beginning of time is coming, and it's going to be this incredible time. And so there's a couple lessons I want you to, to grab on today, a couple things I want you to think about when you see the color green. In the winter, here's the first one, in the winter, I can trust God's timing. In the winter... When you, all you see is the barren, bleak, white yuck, you can trust God's timing. Because winter today, for our purposes, I know some of you love winter. I understand that. But winter, for our purposes today, is going to say the bad times, for bad times. As we wait for his second coming, we have a people, as, as God's people, have to start this, to be, begin to think that Jesus is coming and then when he comes, while we're waiting, his timing is going to be just exactly right. If you look at 2 Peter 3, 4, there, there's two straight scriptures I want you to look at here. It says this, they will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. People have been saying that back then, 
And they're saying it today. You know what that, you know what that does when, when people start thinking that? I'll live the way I want to live then. Because, you know, he's, he'll come later. He may not come. So, you know, when's he coming? So when you start doubting whether he's coming, understand you're under an illusion, a bad illusion. You've got to remember that he's coming. And then 2 Peter 3, 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God is not bound by time. He is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowliness. I mean, maybe you thought that, that this, this Christmas that you would be married. You, you, maybe you thought this Christmas that you wouldn't get divorced, that you wouldn't be apart, never in your life. Maybe it seems like God is, is running a little late. Or maybe you're a couple here today and you had a plan and the plan isn't going like you thought. Or maybe you're here today and you're under financial stress. You thought this Christmas would be different. Maybe you were sure that you would spend this Christmas cancer-free. Maybe you thought this was the year that there would be no pain, no trouble, no tribulations. Yet winter is still here. There's no green. There's the green. So we live as, as children who trust a father who knows what is best. Listen to me, church. Your father knows what is best. His timing is right even when we don't understand it. Even when you're sitting there this morning going, why God? When God? Even while we wait, God is at work. Luke chapter 2 goes on. It says, in those days, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, if you're like me, it's really easy to skip over that. I've skipped over that. I told you a thousand times. I've read just right over that. It doesn't mean anything. But this is why it's a big deal. Please follow along. This is where I get a little nerdy here. And I like nerdy sometimes. So follow along because I gotta I gotta I gotta dig and, and show you how true the Bible is. Because sometimes it's so easy to think that the Bible is not always correct. That the Bible has parts of it that you can just eh, it's not right. It's not right. One verse, that one verse in those days, Caesar Augustus is a decree that, that, that tells us a lot. Because it tells us that God was working in the winter. In this, this, this period, these 400 years between this, he was doing something. Follow me with this for a second. At the beginning of time in history, at this time when, when, when this was written, when, between the books, there was a little country called Persia. And Persia was starting to make a noise in the community. They were killing lots of people. They were gaining grounds. They were, they were taking things that weren't theirs, and they were taking their empire and making it bigger than it was. The Greeks became very uncomfortable about Persia because Persia was starting to come close to their borders. Persia was gaining all this ground. So Philip of Macedonia, of, of Macedonia unites all the Greeks and leads him to battle to stop the, the Paris, the, those Parisians. I, I, they're not Paris. They're Persians. Sorry. I knew I was going to say Parisians because I said that once in my mind. 
to kind of stop their progress. That's that, that battle that he comes and he, he wants to take them on. And you say, well, okay, that's nice. Thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. We appreciate that. But this is, this is what happens. Philip dies. Philip dies. Time passes. And his son, Alexander the Great, takes over. And he's in charge. And about 350 years before Jesus was born, Alexander starts doing his thing. And he takes the whole world. He gets the whole world and conquers it, the known world at that time. And here's what he did. It gave the world, for the first time, this sense of language, this sense of uniformity, and the world became this, this thing that wasn't just these little bits and pieces all over the place. It unified them. And so God was working so that Jesus is going to be born into a world where there isn't a language barrier, and so that the news of Jesus Christ could spread quickly. Do you see how God is working even during the white? Do you see how he's preparing the world for the birth of his son even through history, even through bad things happening to thousands of people. There's China and Russia, and there's, there's what they're doing in the Ukraine, and there's what they're doing you know, Israel. Even those bad things, God can use. And that's what I'm trying to get through to you today. Do you see it? Do you see it? For 400 years, it seemed that God was silent, but he wasn't silent. He was masterfully orchestrating and bringing all these things together so that Jesus, when he come in the fullness of time, when it was time for him to pop, that he would. And it would go just as it was supposed to, to do. That was a Christmas miracle. It was a Christmas miracle. The second thing I want you to hold on to, you say, Jeff, you're getting excited about something. I'm not really seeing it. Well, let, me, let me keep going. The lesson for us is, about winter is this. I can be confident that God has worked no matter how screwy my life is. You can be confident that God is at work no matter how screwy your life is. That better be a comfort to you today because some of your life's pretty messy. It's pretty messy. You look at your, it looks like crackers, crumbled all over a plate, your life, and it's, you don't know how you're ever going to get it back together. How is this going to work? How is this going to happen? Look at Psalms 121. It says this. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber nor sleep. Now that, in hindsight, we can look back and we can see how God was at work, how his hand was clearly moving. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't playing chess with the angels. He was moving. He was doing things that were taking his plan forward. And he's doing that today in your life. But for the Israelites and for us today, when we're in the middle of the winter, when we're in the middle of the, of the white and barren time, I mean, whether it's cold, it's a little harder to identify how God is working when you can't walk around. It's a little hard to identify when you're such pain and you're hurting and everything in your life is going the way you don't think it should go. But you can trust his timing, church. Listen, you can trust his timing. And you can be sure that while you're waiting that he is working, that he is doing a new thing. Luke chapter 2, moving on. It says, in the days of Caesar Augustus, 
issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And then we read, this is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. Big deal. So what? So what? I read that and go, yeah, what does that, what, what? what?" And again, it seems like some kind of non-essential information. Nothing too exciting. Okay, a census was taken. Big deal. All right. Nothing could be more boring than a census. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You know, that's boring. Thanks, Jeff, for bringing that to our attention today. I really appreciate that. To understand this, you got to go back more than 700 years. 700 years to the little tiny book of Micah. Micah, prophet Micah. Here's what he said, Micah 5, 2, 700 years before all this took place in, in Bethlehem, in, in uh, Matthew. Oh, Bethlehem, you are but a small Judean village, yet you will be the birthplace of my king who is alive from everlasting ages past. 700 years before, Micah said, it's coming. You better believe that the Bible is true, every bit of it. It was set up, it was put into place to show us (laughs) that God promises and God delivers. You see, Caesar Augustus is this pagan emperor, so he can use bad presidents. He can use bad congressmen. He can use bad people over in China and in Russia. He can use anybody he wants to use to accomplish his purposes. We have to get in line with the fact that God knows what he's doing, and we have to trust him. So he's issued this decree, this this census should be taken. And Mary and Joseph wouldn't have been forced to go to Bethlehem to register. They would have just stayed at their home. But Micah, Micah predicted they're going to come into Bethlehem. And they did, we know, because that's the old little town of Bethlehem. You know, that's it. But they lived in Jerusalem. They, had to, they got kicked, their booties got kicked out of their comfortable home in the middle of, of, of a cold snap. And they're, they're sitting there going, why do we have to go? Why do we have to go to Bethlehem to register? I'm, I'm about to pop here. What is, what? And Mary's going, what's God thinking? You know, stick me on a donkey and I'm going to travel to Bethlehem? And it's all so God can show us that he's working and he has a plan and he has a purpose and he's doing something. See, Mary and Joseph could have been grumbling and griping just like us. What's he doing? You know, I've got, I can't pay my bills and this happened. What's he doing? I can't do this. And God was at work. He was at work. I want to say that again to you today because I don't think some of you understand. He was at work with them and he's at work with you even though things aren't like you think they should be. Listen, he doesn't just use the people of Israel. I mean, he's using a pagan emperor. He's using somebody that doesn't even believe in him to get his purposes to what he wants him to be. God will keep his promises God is keeping his promises, and he has promised you that he will walk with you. 
that he will provide for you. I didn't say he'd make you rich, but he will provide for you. He will take care of you and yours. Look what Isaiah 7, 14 says. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with the child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. 740 B.C., before Christ, the book of Isaiah. You, you doubting that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. There is no book in the world that could do all the facts, could put all the things out there and then have them come about except it was a perfect God and a perfect book. You have to understand, guys, that the book that you're following, that the son that you're following is a perfect God, that he has work, he has promised, and he will deliver. In Luke 2, finally, an angel announces to Mary that she's going to have a birth to her son, give birth to the son. And what does Mary say? Mary says, how can that be? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, and I love what the angel says, Gabriel says, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. You think? You think? Yeah, I do too. Look at a couple more verses and then I'm about done. I'm trying to not nerd too much. Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a youth, I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew 2.14, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt, Project, prophecy projected, prophecy fulfilled. There are some 300 prophecies like this in the Old Testament church, and they all came to pass. How I can see one or two, but how about 300? How is that possible? How is that possible? Jesus is born, promises are kept, promises are made, and they are finalized and stamped as yes it happened but there's the question why did this take so long I mean what was God waiting for <laughs> 400 years all those people didn't hear anything nothing happened they just had to stay on their faith and their trust they had to exist on their faith and their trust they had to exist on their faith and trust did I say that they had to exist on their faith and their trust that's all they had. Even though they didn't hear, they didn't see, they went on. Why did it take so long? Why couldn't he have done this earlier? <laughs> he was waiting for the right time historically. Look what it says. You, you, you've read it already. God is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. And then it says, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There it is. Why is he waiting? Because he wants everybody to come to repentance. God does not want you to be lost. He does not want you to, to go to hell. He wants you to be found. He is waiting. He is waiting. He is waiting for someone here. He is waiting for you for such a time as this day right now. There are several people the last couple of weeks that have made their choice and made their decision and said, I will not, I will not continue to not believe in God. I will continue to give my trust and my faith to God. And they stepped out and they said, here I am, Lord, use me. Some of you 
need to be there today. God is not slow, but he is patient. If he were slow, then that would indict him of being apathetic or indifferent. He is not slow. He has a plan and a purpose. The longer he waits, the more come to him. It's not just church language. It's not just preacher talk that I'm talking up here to say that God waits for you. If you're not a Christian, he waits. Listen, if you're not a believer, he waits. If you're here today and you have given up the faith and you say, I don't believe, God still is waiting and he's got open arms and he's saying to you today, even today, when some of you sitting here have made up your mind, no, not me. He is waiting. Maybe today is that, that day that God wants to do that thing in you. We can't bring it about, but he can. And you can open up your heart to what God wants to do. Let's pray as the band comes.